This is The Insecurity Project. If you are looking to solve the insecurity problem in your life, rather than just manage it, mask it or medicate it, you have come to the right place. This is the home of high-quality content and conversations about how to overcome insecurity. If you can do that, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for your friends and family, it's good for the world, so it's kind of important. There's some work to do here, but let's go do this work together. Now on to today's show. Hi folks, you're on the Insecurity Project with Jamin. Today I have a very special guest all the way from the other side of the world. Uh, I have Hafsa Taher, who is a business coach from Canada. Thank you so much uh, for being part of the call. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, okay, we were talking before the call about just how important the subject of insecurity is and, and just how exciting it is when people kind of realize that they can be uh, be not limited by the stories they tell themselves and find a way to move forward. So I'm, I, I watch you on the socials all the time. You do great work and I'm really fascinated as to how you got to where you are today. So um, can you tell us a bit of your backstory? Can you tell us uh, mm-hmm. where things started for you and, and tell us a bit about what it was like growing up and the role your parents played in, um, you know, in instilling beliefs for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, the first part that came to my head is how much time do we have? Are we going to be talking for a couple hours? Because that's a long story. But <laughs> I'll give you like the 30 second, 45 second version of it. So um, I actually come from a very IT, left brain, let's actually do things kind of background. Like that's my educational, that's my professional IT background. And then I kind of switched to being creative. So just like two different worlds you think. And that's like switching to the creative side really uh, highlighted a lot of the the baggage that I got along with I was growing up with because when you're working a nine-to-five IT job you're not challenged that much I know people I, I don't I don't know if your listeners are like nine-to-fivers and they're like of course we are but I think a business really does challenge you like you mm. are trying to like put yourself out there right and that's when a lot of uh, and I think a business is just a window of into who you are a lot of that shows up um and it, it's easy to hide some of that in a nine to five in a corporate job. So I think when I started my business, I was like trying to play it small, trying, trying to play it safe. And, and, I, and I was like, you know what? Oh, this is just the best thing to best way to do it. But now like that I look back and I, over time I realized how I was playing small from a fear of failing. And I think that's where insecurities really show up when you're trying to like avoid being a failure, avoid looking like you don't know what you're doing, avoid looking like a, uh, like to the outside world, them having this uh, this opinion about about you and you feeling like a failure to yourself too, and that's where a lot of the insecurities come from. And and your question about like how did I like growing up? Did I know about all of these things? Um, I think if you if any of your listeners come from like the Indian uh, subcontinent background, it's a lot of let's get work done kind of kind of mindset there. It's a lot of just do the work. It's called work for a reason, right? <laughs> so no complaints, no, don't, don't play your victim card, just do the work. And it's really hard in that sense to really say, I'm struggling with this. You, you're not supposed to say you're struggling with this. You're just supposed to do it, right? So so I think this, I'm, I'm kind of like learning as I go, I, I get, and then I'm helping other people with the similar struggles with my clients is, like that insecurities, those fears of failing, what are people going to think about me? I think a lot of those are just being unpacked as we, as we go along, I think, because growing up, there was no awareness about it. 
Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's probably very similar for a lot of people. Their their parents um, just like, go and just get, get it, it done. It. Don't don't complain. Get it done. Just get yeah. it done. Um, yeah. What are you being, what, what are you complaining about this? It's work for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent a couple of weeks in India uh, a couple of years ago and I was just astounded by the work ethic. It's just, uh, it's work. Work is everything. People people work yeah. their whole yeah. life. They, it seemed like mm-hmm. uh, there were there was little time for uh, socializing. Yeah. There was little time for family. It was just work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about like your self worth being linked to your productivity. Okay. About how you can produce. Um, and when you can't, like, say you're sick, you're trying to take some time off. That's kind of like feels like I'm being lazy. Feels like I'm not not being productive right like feels like i'm not doing what i should be doing it's like Mm. it challenges your identity and everything yeah absolutely so you said that served you early on because a job in it you were able just to transfer that motto of just get it done and and work hard um so so why did you leave that job what what made you kind of reach for something more Mm -hmm. so i actually started my handmade uh, company my handmade business it was just a project on the side and as it was growing I'm like you know what I couldn't do both at the same time I had to choose I was at a point where I had to choose and I I think I had to go with what do I enjoy doing more yes it's more challenging yes it's more um yes it's more taking like making me look inside making me look at all the baggage and all the unpacking that I have to do but it is more fun. It is what I enjoy more, right? So I was like, you know what? Would I want to be working in a nine to five just to make someone else richer? Or would I want to be doing something I enjoy? I mean, life is short, you know? So uh, yes, it's hard work being in business. Like not in the sense of the work itself, but the the amount of like beliefs you have to challenge, the amount yeah. of um, thoughts you have to ask yourself. Where did this thinking come from? Why am I thinking this way? Like where, why? Like why? Like, digging deeper and deeper. Mm, yeah okay um i'm all always talking about the why and the how around this because i think a lot of people don't know why and how and they struggle to make the change so what can you what can you tell us about uh, you know the process of once you uncovered those limiting beliefs and once you saw that was getting in the way how did you begin to change them yeah and in, it's funny i actually didn't mention this to you the first time i found you was when i was looking up the be to have model that's I wanted right. to explain explain this on my um, Instagram stories, and I'm like, I just need to like need some words around this because, like I said, we, I come from a do do more do more culture, right? Like I'm like, yeah. if I do more, I'll be I will be successful. Yes. But like, and I I know that's like backwards, and you probably have an entire episode on the video have more. The more you be, the more you'll have, and yeah. the more you can do better because you be coming from a place of identity, and you're coming from a place of um being that person so so your question about uh your question was about how do you what do you do after you unpack that stuff is that right yeah how do you how do you unpack that how did how did you unpack that how did you transfer from one mode of living which was ingrained into you culturally and through your family and and how did you actually make a shift yeah i think i think I, i took a lot of help with working with professionals every coach has a coach right Mm. Every successful person has to have experts help them out. Um, I actually have worked, done a lot of courses, not, not just in terms of how to do the business side, but also who are you being in the process of it? Mm. Are you associating your, uh, your results with your self-worth? And it is hard. It is really a lot of hard work to say, 
things like what I grew up on doesn't work anymore. It's not serving me, right? And I think uh, the first thing I had to do is kind of like a lot of introspection, like questioning my own beliefs. Like I feel like a failure, but why? Mm-hmm. Who, who created this definition of a failure? Who said I have to do all of this? I mean, and, and it sucks. I mean, I hate the process, right? But um, the more you question it, it takes you through this messy, ugly process of like tears. And you're like, I feel like a failure. I don't know why, right? Yeah. Um, but, and that's when you have, and you get to a certain level with like books and like podcasts and like just Google searches. And then you, sometimes you need an expert to take you to the next level. So I've worked with coaches myself and um, to be able to kind of uncover what I can't do myself. But a great start is like podcasts and books like this. Tim, uh, there's a Jim Porter who talks about we do have model as well. There's a lot of people out there, self-help books out there. Mm, yeah, okay, great. So when you made the switch from nine to five to uh, doing your handcraft business, um, did it was it seamless? Was it an easy transition, or did uh, it, it take some time to really find your feet in that in that place? So, because my business was already going in parallel, like I was doing both at one point, I was like, at least I can drop one ball and be like, few. At least I only have one thing, one job right now, right? Don't have two jobs. So, in a sense, it was like a relief. I don't have to be showing up at an office nine to five, and um, and push myself so hard, like why am I pushing myself? Like, why am I trying to do two things at the same time? Right? Mm. Like, who am I trying to prove myself to? Right? Like, is my worth how much I produce? So, um, so I think dropping one, like quitting my full-time job. Yes, it came with a lot of insecurities with a lot of questioning my, my position because yes, it's not like no one's a check at the end of the week, at the end of every two weeks within the business, right? It's kind of the ups and downs. Um, but I think I knew it was the right thing to do because, because, and also because I had like a plan B at the back of my mind, I can always go back to it. Um, it's not like I've burned the bridges. It's not like I've burned the boats, you know? So I think that kind of gave me some, some relief, like I can go back to it if I want to, but for now I'm just trying this out. Okay. Uh, so how was your social support networks in this time? Were there people who are resisting you telling you it was a bad idea? Do you have some people telling you it was a great idea? What was happening with friends and family at the time? Mm-hmm. There was definitely a lot, a lot of people that thought it was a good idea and that I should go for it because these were people that were either stuck with nine to five or were in a business. We're like, okay, you know what? We know how awesome it is. Go for it. Or we know how this, this sucks. You get out, you know? Sure. Uh, but there was a certain group of people and people that are close to me that thought it was a bad idea. They were like, this is the worst thing ever. You have a job. Who quits a job? Like people aren't finding jobs. Like who just leaves a job that they have um, in search of what um, self-actualization? What is that BS, right? <laughs> right? So uh, there was definitely a small group of people that, that were saying that. And I had to think about, is this a fact? Like what they're saying, right? Is this like a, is this like a black and white thing? At the end of the day, this is the opinion. Like this is coming from their experiences. This is coming from what they have seen, which is not everything, this is very limited sense of things that they have seen. And this is what that's coming from. And I can be like, okay, that's been their experience, experiences. And it's not, uh, it's not black and white. It's not a fact. So now I can choose to decide to take it or not. And, and also like sometimes we internalize people's voices into our heads. Like I start speaking like somebody else would speak to me, right? When I don't have to, I can choose to say, 
that's their voice, but this is what I believe. Mm. So I think that is hard, especially when it's someone close to you. You're like, you want to please them. You want to be in good books with them. You want to make people happy. People pleaser right here, like covering people pleaser, right? So all of that is hard, but then you have to decide who is going to be living the consequences of your decisions. Me, not them. So I think there was a lot of back and forth in that sense. Um, but again, like I did have like that, that plan B at the back of my mind. I was like, I can go back to this. I'm not burning bridges. I'm not burning boats. So I'm just going to try this out. So what if it doesn't work? I mean, that's the worst that can happen, right? So yeah, that really helped me in just that decision making. Yeah, wow. Um, and as you made the switch and, and followed the, the creativity in your heart instead of the nine to five, and began to explore some of the limiting beliefs. What did you what did you discover about in your process? Like what what did you what did you begin to find inside as you followed that dream? That there was a lot of baggage we have. <laughs> That's not our own. Sometimes it's ancestral, ancestral. It's generational. Sometimes I'm actually reading a book about. Um, post-traumatic stress that's actually carried on generation to generation and women specifically um, I, I can't remember what it's called but maybe I can look it up after the interview for you and send you a link for it uh, but it's talking about like women were meant to stay safe by staying quiet not be seen right there was a lot there is a lot of uh, stress that has been carried generation to generation, like I guess as women and women themselves. So there's a lot of baggage that it's our responsibility to unpack. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it's unfair that we have to unpack all of these things that our generations before have gone through. But we have a choice. Like as an NLP coach, this is what like we always talk about. You have you can be the cause of things or you can be the effect. You can complain about being the victim or you can say, yes, this is I've been dealt a bad card. What am I going to do about this? Right. So I think um, what I realized from all of this is, yes, it kind of sucks to be us. I mean, we, we are in a more aware, we are more aware of our feelings, our thoughts and than our generation before was. Um, but this is what's going to make us better. This is like I'm going to be a superpower. Like this is where freedom is going to come from. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I think realizing that life isn't fair is actually a beautiful discovery because I, I talk to people who are waiting for life to be fair. They, they think just because I deserve or just because I should, then someone's going to make it right for me and it's all going to work out. But um, I think life is not fair. It's, it's very unfair and it, yeah. it, life responds to desire. Life responds to responsibility when we decide, okay, am I going to be driving this bus or am I going to be a passenger? So um, yeah, amazing to watch firsthand, watch your journey around going, okay, well, I'm going to take control. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's unfair that I've got this stuff to deal with, but um, it's also no my opportunity now. for freedom. It's my opportunity. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So um, when you, obviously you're a coach now yourself. So uh, what do you, what do you think are the key things in, in explaining this to someone else when they begin a journey of, overcoming their baggage and the stuff they've inherited from their parents and their parents and from their culture. What, what do you teach in terms of the process of uh, unpacking and overcoming this stuff? Right. And then, and then the, the, there's the baggage of your parents, your culture, and then there's a the society, right? So mm. um, yeah. And then the people, what other people think. And so I guess there's a lot of players to it. Um, I think it really depends where they are on the journey. Like someone who's like, 
maybe five steps ahead of them. If I tell them what I have learned, nothing makes sense to them. They would not understand any of it. They'd be like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> so, um, or it's for you. It might be for other people, not for me, right? Or I don't have package or I've worked to it already. I don't have any of that, right? So I think it really depends. You have to be a little sensitive and a little, uh, like some, some thought put into considering where they are and meeting them where they are in the journey and being like, well, it seems like you've been working really hard. Seems like you're doing everything right, but there's some things that are still not working out for you. Let's try and figure out what's that missing piece. You've done the, uh, maybe it's strategy in the business, right? Maybe they're applying all these strategies, but you, they're not seeing the results. Obviously there's some missing part there. Let's try and dig through together. Like I'm not, I'm not expert, I'm not expert, I'm not better than anybody. I have been there myself too, kind of uh, putting myself, meeting them where they are and saying, let's try and figure out where the, this might be coming from and let's talk to this. Let's see where your thought process is, right? And that's when I hear things like, um, I'm not good enough or people expect better of me or I need to be doing better, right? That's when I hear, start hearing these words and I start questioning things saying, according to who? Hmm. who pe which people? Like who says that, right? So I think sometimes like meeting them where they are and being like, Let's do this together. It really helps. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I love the the sense of opinion that you're drawing out there because ultimately that's what it comes down to. You are yeah. so so much of our life is built on the opinion of others, and right, uh, right. opinion is the lowest form of knowing anything. So opinions <laughs> can be changed, and um, opinions can be rebuilt. So helping people that's to right. confront the opinions of others and form their own opinions. Um, yeah. uh, the, the world of NLP, I, I've done some NLP training myself. I, I think it's such a, a beautiful technology. What have been the, your favorite NLP tools and techniques or, or insights to help this mm -hmm. work? Mm -hmm. One of them, one of the things that really helped me change things is, um, the cause and effect, right? You can yep. be the cause of things or you can just complain on the, the effect of everything that's happened to me. Right. So I think that has been really transformational for me. Sometimes I, I think everybody kind of feels low and they're like, okay, this is, this is bad. COVID sucks. I mean, you know what, this is like, uh, uh this isn't the best time of, of the year. Uh, 2020 has been a weird year. So I think like, yes, that's the circumstances, but what are we going to do about it? I think the cause and effect is something that I really took away from an NLP. Um, the other is just monitoring your thought process, the words we use, right? The mm. words we use, the negative words we use about ourselves sometimes, about other people, about, and that's really us projecting our own feelings on other people sometimes. So it's, it's it helps me, like even for myself, like not just my clients, also being aware of like, why am I saying this? Why am I thinking this? You know, just being aware of like, because your thoughts are controlling your, your feelings and your thought feelings are controlling your actions. So understanding your actions are really a reflection of your thoughts, right? So knowing like you can, if you can change those, your actions can change as well. So yeah. I think that's been really, really powerful too. Yeah. Great. Um, so with business owners, I, I'm working with a lot of those myself. And I think, like you said, a lot of people just think that it's all about the strategy and what they need yeah. to do. Um, but if they don't sort, sort out the B, who they're being, uh, all they're doing is already flying from who they're being anyway. So what would you say about the importance of personal development in the business space? Yeah. And I think you're right. I, I think it kind of seems like a misnomer. It doesn't fit together. Right? Like business, like as a business coach, sometimes I tend to teach my clients to 
to detach themselves from the result. Like the result isn't you. And, and I'm like, I know that sounds weird for a business coach to say that, but you know what? It is so true. Like you can't be attached. You can't be running behind numbers. So I think it does because of the, the society is structured to everybody thinks that you just need that one strategy. You just need that one idea to make it big. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not playing, if you're not, if you're playing safe, if you're playing from insecurities, if you're, if you're constantly looking for that number to prove your worth, then it's not going to work out for you. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important for us to kind of take a step back and say, how am I thinking? Who am I trying to be? Am I coming from a place of serving or am I like selling? Right. So I think it's, it is still like, I think it's still like something that is taking a while for people to understand the link between the two. Um, Cause we have the mindset coaches and then we have the business coaches. Like yeah. they, it seems like the, the two opposites, but they both go together. Uh, I think when people see results and then they say things like I work with Hapsa and it's one coaching call, maybe challenged my, my view of business and just how I perceived myself as not as a, in a business or the business being in a negative sense that one call changed all of this, right? So I think people, when they see results like that, they're like, oh, maybe I should really just have a call and see where this will go, yeah. Mm, yeah, nice. I think of it like an unfair advantage. I think there are lots of people just trying to work hard um, and you get an unfair advantage when you realize, hang on a minute, it's not just about working hard, it's who I'm being. And if you can do the work around your identity and your opinions, you just yeah. set yourself free to go do great work. And, and most mm. people are not free. So you're in a marketplace yeah. full of people who are bound up by the baggage they bring and the fears they've got. So dealing with insecurity, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's yeah. uncomfortable. Uh, there's a bunch of fear and uncertainty that, that arises. Yeah. But, but the, yeah. the unfair advantage it gives you when you go into the marketplace feeling confident and secure is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a question I often ask guests is, do you think it's possible to live without insecurity? Do you think you can actually solve this problem or do you just uh, manage it for a time? I think it's always going to be there. I think because we, when each time you're playing a bigger game, something you've never done before, mm. you start to doubt yourself and be like, can I do this? And, and I'm guessing we're all trying to play a bigger game every time, right? You're not doing the exact same thing every day, right? So each time you, you are this new, um, in this new, in, in a new game, in, in the next level, you, there might be some insecurities that, that peak, that, that peak in and to say, uh, can you do this? Are you sure? Remember the time you failed, right? I think there will always be that be that be there and that's when you when you are self-aware and you have those tools in your toolkit you can be like yep there's my trigger let me work on that let me just kind of figure out where that's coming from and answer that voice in my head because it's just looking for an answer i'll give that give it an answer and it's going to go away right um i think it that's just my thought what do you think (laughs) oh yeah i think the distinction i make is i think it is possible to solve it on the current level of growth that you're at. Right. However, if, you, if you're if you free in this level of growth, you're naturally going to want a bigger game, just as you said. And a bigger yeah. game is going to take you into new levels of uncertainty and new insecurity will arise. I think that the distinction I make is that there's a really clear process for solving insecurity where you are, um, mm. but, but there is a cycle. It's the same process you're going to use each time. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time the next, next insecurity arises. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah, being where you are, it, it should be that you're able to show up here now 
with nothing to prove and nothing to defend and do your best work now um, and then grow to the next level and sort out some doubts and fears there as well. New devils at a new level, right? Yeah, Every level has its own devils, yes. That's exactly right. Um, tell us about your big game. What's, what's, the, what's the big game in your mind? Where are you taking your business and your life? That wasn't one of the questions crazy, I sent you, but yeah. uh, what, tell, tell us about your, your big game. Yeah, I have some crazy big ideas. Um, I, they are just crazy at this point. I have no work done, but I, I will actually put that out there. Um, one of the things I want to do is I'm kind of like developing my own methodology and like my own principles from my own experiences and also working with clients. Uh, would you amazing to actually have like a coaching school where I train coaches to actually do this for me, you know? Mm. Uh, it's like multiply the impact I can have, right? Like mm. why just limit it to me helping 100 people a year why can't yeah. it be ten, tens of thousands so that's like the crazy big goal out there uh, but for now there is a lot of i do a lot of one-on-one coaching with uh, my clients i do have a membership that's for muslim women on how to grow your instagram but behind the scenes we do a lot of identity work we do a lot of uh, like challenging yourself your beliefs kind of work we, we do a lot of habit building so it, it is instagram but we know a lot needs to happen in order for Instagram to be successful, right? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, okay. Thank you for sharing. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, along the way, coaches have been important, podcasts have been important, books have been important. Um, are there any particular books or podcast episodes that stand out to you as, as key resources that you recommend to other people? I think, I think one of the most important is that we do have model i think whether people just google it or listen to it, i don't know if you you have a podcast episode specifically on it but i know it's on your blog that's where i found it um but i think that is a huge game shifter if they even people even understand, need to understand like i have to stop doing you know it just seems like so counterintuitive in this in this culture whether it's like work 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 um and uh, we go from like nine to five monday to friday and then shut down and then back again nine to five right so uh, monday to friday so i think this 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 is like a completely game changer if people actually sit down and understand what the b2 half model is if you be if you can be who you want to be now right rather than waiting so i think that's the one thing um if anybody if your listeners are like me that are hustlers then i think there's a book called um Stillness is key is the key by Ryan Holiday. It's actually a brand new one, I think. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting. Do less for women, especially by Kate Northrup. Um, also about less is more. So not sometimes, all the time. Um, I think women. I, I think it's a very masculine, very um, norm of the society to constantly go. And I think the, the book on do less actually even talks about the women's cycle, which is not the same as men's cycle, that mm-hmm. the culture doesn't take take into account. So there's a lot of like deeper wisdom in that book that um, women especially can take learn from. Mm-hmm. But I think just the, the whole idea of like being rather than doing is the yeah. same in, um, in all three uh, resources I mentioned. Mm, yeah okay um it's so funny that you found me with that that be do have model because i wrote that article uh maybe four or five years ago it's it's in the the second book that i wrote um i just kind of wrote it and put it out there and didn't really think too much about it but still there are yeah. still people around the world who find me if you google be do have uh, at least in australia yeah. if you google it that article comes up at the top of google search no, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> just, yeah. I've written all kinds of things over the years and 
you know, one or two people have seen it somewhere. Um, but for the, whatever reason, that that article has yeah. been particularly useful for people. And um, it is still one of my go-to models as well. It's one of my all-time favorite models. I think it's so easy to get caught up in the cycle of being the, the worker, which is the do-have-be, mm-hmm. or the victim, which is the have-do-be, mm-hmm. you know, waiting mm-hmm. for the world to give you or just hustling your way and working hard. But if you can stop that and get off that merry-go-round and go focus on who you're being first and realize that uh, the winner starts there, they start with the story they're living out of and they create a beautiful story and they go be the successful person before they have any right to, before anyone else has ever said they can, they go start talking to themselves and living out of that essence first and then, then doing proceeds and then having follows. It is another yeah. unfair advantage. It, it's uh, an extraordinary, um, extraordinary model yeah. change. And I think I think a lot of people say I don't have the confidence. When I get to this place in my business, I will have the confidence. Yeah, but yeah. no, you got to have the confidence now. I, unfortunately, it sucks, but find it somehow, and you'll get there faster. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If you wait, and you're waiting for the rest of your life, you got to go be That's that right. person now. Yeah. One of my one of my most favorite and craziest rituals when I first learned this was I used to ring myself and leave voicemail messages mm. on my phone. Um, and I would talk to myself like I already was the person I wanted to be. Yeah, you know, good Jamin. Cool. That G'day is Jamin. It's Jamin here. Uh, look, just wanted to tell you, I, I think you're amazing. Like you are a handsome you are a handsome young man and you are, you are so sharp at business and, and like your, your financial decisions are so incredible and oh boy, your wife is a lucky woman and, and your kids are blessed to have you as their dad. And, um, you know, I could go on, I won't, but I'll, I'll talk to you again tomorrow, but I just wanted to tell you that you're killing it. Uh, you're, you are succeeding in every area that's important to you. And um, I hope you're having a great day. Um, you know, something awesome. like that. And it, it just, yeah. it just was, um, I had to have fun with it early on because it felt it felt so <laughs> counterintuitive, but I just yeah. I just realised that if I can't if I can't see myself as the person I want to be, well, no one else is going to. I've got to go first. Yeah. I got to start yeah. this process somewhere. So um, yeah, mm. and, and still my my rituals. I walk around my water tank and I talk to myself like I am the person I want to be. My my big end game. Um, mm. I, I want to consult to the UN when I want to consult to the UN about insecurity as a global problem. That's so cool. Wow. And, I, and I, and I talk to myself like I'm already the UN consultant and, yeah. um, and you know, go create that reality. So, yeah. Uh, look out. I love mind. that. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> no, I, I think I have done like future dated journal entries, but like voice notes are like next level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, it does feel uncomfortable and counterintuitive in the beginning, but you got to just like keep doing it keep, because your subconscious is not used to it. You need to make the unfamiliar familiar, right? So you got to like keep going with it because over time it will become familiar. Yeah. Have you come across a book by Shad Helmstetter, uh, What to Say When You're Talking to Yourself? No, I haven't. I should look it up. Well, it's an old book, but a good one. And, and mm-hmm. he just says the relationship between our conscious and our unconscious is like the captain of the ship to the engine room worker. So the captain can see where he's going and sets coordinates. And the engine room worker who can't see pulls levers and turns dials and, and makes the ship go there. Right. And so he says often people's self-talk is setting really negative yeah. directions. So they say right. over the loudspeaker, 
oh, you know, I'm no good with money. Uh, I really struggle to make friends. Yeah, I'm really unmotivated. And so that's like, you know, giving that direction and then the engine room worker pulls those levers and turns those dials and you end up without any friends, having no money and having no motivation. And you're like, well, see, it's true. Right. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. It's a, pro- it. a programming tool. So when I understood that, it, it just took it out of the realm of, oh, this is weird and fake and it doesn't make sense to going, oh, my goodness, I'm just setting the coordinates. Just like a captain says, I'm heading there. He, he says there. They're not there now, but if he doesn't yeah, set those coordinates, they never get there. So that was a game changer for me just to go, yeah, I'm just setting the directions for, for where I want to go. So I may as well set a direction I want rather than a direction I don't want. So That's right. Yeah, I love that. Wow, I need to start thinking about it in that sense. It's, it's basically just like planning your life with your dreams, right? Rather than like having somebody else plan your life or like dictate where you are going to end up take control of it yeah absolutely um and stephen stephen covey his his quote everything's created twice i think that that again when i understood Mm -hmm. that that changed the game because that's how the world works already everything has a first creation in the unseen world and then the second creation is just the physical manifestation of that so when you understand that the be do have makes so much more sense because you're like i'm doing first creation work i'm creating my future in the unseen world by what I can picture in my mind, what I can say to myself, what what I can decide for my future. So um, it's a, it's counterintuitive and and countercultural, but I I agree with you. It is, it is a game changing model and gives you an unfair advantage in life. So thanks for bringing that up again. I I hadn't, hadn't talked about B2H for a while. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Okay. Is there anything else, anything we've missed that you think is really important in the journey of, setting yourself free from the opinions of others and even your own opinions of yourself free to I think something that I really that has really helped me is journaling okay because um, and I know I know a lot of people say oh that's not me right and the thing is that you have to see that thought process that's happening so quickly in your head on paper okay. if you can't read it out if you can't see it you won't believe the kind of stuff we're telling ourselves mm-hmm. right Mm. Um, I think something that has been like, I wrote something down and I'm like, what? That makes no sense. And that thought was like, it was the basis of my, the, um, the house of cards on, right? Like if I pulled that out, everything collapsed. And actually I would have never seen that thought if I hadn't written it out. Mm. I was like building an entire house on top of it. Right. And then the foundation was like, I thought that wasn't, it was just like a made up story that I was telling myself. Mm-hmm. And um, another tool that I have uh, is uh, one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown. She yeah. talks about vulnerability and she talks about this tool of the story I'm telling myself, right? Yeah. When you don't have all the facts and you just have some facts and you fill in the rest of it, you're actually making up a conspiracy. So you have to step back and say, the story I'm telling myself is this, I suck because this is what happened. Is that true, look, right? Mm. So, yeah, I think I think journaling has just been such a game changer for me. And it's not something I do all the time. It's not like something I do as a morning ritual. But when I'm struggling with something, I pull out my notebook and start writing things down. Mm, okay. Do you have a specific ritual around journaling that helps you get into that state? Like, do you use a special pen or a special book or do you go to a certain place or can you use whatever pen, whatever paper, wherever you are? Like how does, how does it work for you? 
Yeah, it's funny. I've never thought about it. I have a lot of notebooks. Okay. Um, yeah, I go to notebooks like anything. I buy notebooks a lot and you probably have listeners that just buy notebooks for the sake of buying notebooks. <laughs> uh, and, um, and I always like to use a pencil. Okay. I don't know why. I like to use like a lead pencil. And I think right. growing up as kids, we weren't allowed to use pens. We, uh-huh. had to, we were forced to use a pencil. And we, being the levels we are, right, we were like, no, I'm going to use a pen. But now <laughs> that I have a choice, I'm like, I'm going to go back to that pencil. I don't know why. But writing with a pencil somehow just feels like really nice. So I have a lot of, I buy a lot of notebooks. Um, do I have a ritual specific place? No, no. Mm-hmm. I have been at a library, like when I actually pulled that thought under, under the, the house, I was actually sitting at a library and just writing my thoughts out, I think. So I think it doesn't matter where I am, but having a good notebook always helps. Um, having mm-hmm. notebooks that are pretty and like easy, easy to write on and, um, and having like notebooks that are like blank, not lined. I think yeah. it gives me some kind of freedom to be a yeah, little bit yeah. more creative because I hate lines. I hate structure. <laughs> I'm so, exactly the same. Yeah. I, yeah. I hear lines. I look at a line notebook. Oh, no, that's not going to work for me. Um, so I've yeah. got to have a, yeah. a blank notebook and a nice pen. That's that's all my conditions. I don't. If I hate, if the pen doesn't feel nice when I'm writing with it, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. need something yeah. that just flows know. and I enjoy the look of what's happening. Um, yeah. But I think I, I'm just so fascinated by you know it's, it is an NLP idea about anchors, anchors into state um, access yeah. points. I'm I'm listening to um, the road less stupid at the moment on Audible, and he talks about mm. his thinking rituals, and he he has a specific set of questions for thinking time that he does two or three times a week. But he has a thinking chair. He has, um, you know, he he has a yeah. There's a there's one chair that he never sits in for anything else other than thinking. So no. it's in one part of the house. Okay. There's a notebook that yeah. he only ever uses for his thinking, and so. It's just an amazing thing because when you develop those rituals, just just the act of sitting in that chair gives you access yes. to a different way of being. So, yeah, um, yeah. I finding... used to do a lot of nature walks, um, okay. just like thinking walks. So I used to have an agenda for a walk. I would be like, "This walk is about for me to think about this topic. Okay. I need to figure out what I think about this. What's bothering me?" Okay, so I start walking, and then I'm like thinking, thinking. But I think like having, but maybe maybe the, that specific um, garden specific park was like a anchor for me at that specific time in my life. But um, just never, I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, I think a lot of people love the idea of journaling, but find it hard to get into. So I think, um, yeah, just like you said around the pencil, find what gives you life, find what gives you access into a conversation with yourself and, yeah. and capitalize on that. So if you like lines, great. If you like um, pretty notebooks, great. If you like just loose leaf sheets, if you like writing on your phone, if you like, you know, whatever it is that you like, find what you like and set up mm-hmm. rituals so that you enjoy it. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I love rituals more than habits to me. Um, uh, yeah, a big motto is go where the life is. So rituals always feel more life giving habits feel like I'm trying mm-hmm. to force myself to do stuff that I don't want to do, but I, yeah. I don't know whether you, that, that what do you, yeah. I haven't, I haven't thought about the difference between the two, but, um, do you think voice notes work as, um, journaling as well for some people that don't like writing? Of course. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I'm sure that that some people find 
that that it's a form of processing their thoughts and tracking mm-hmm. their, their progress. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. useful for some mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of rituals, I think I do have one right now. I actually have the five-minute journal. I don't know if you use it in the UK. Um, the five-minute journal is just one pager every single day. It'll ask you five questions. And uh, three in the morning, two at night. And I've been trying to be consistent with that for the past couple of months, just filling that page out every day. And um, starts off with some gratitude questions and like, what are the important things for you today? Uh, it's it's really interesting how it's kind of become my grounding thing right now where I kind of like go back to that every single day. What's it, um, what's it called? What's five it called? Five-minute journal. The five-minute journal. Okay. Yeah, great. I'll look that up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of become a ritual now. I guess I'd never thought about it like that. Yeah, but not yeah, a habit. Sure. Yeah, it's not very specific, legit, but it, it, it happens every day. Mm, okay. Fantastic. Um, okay, so where can people come find you if they're interested in your work and would like to know more about you? Um, you're an Instagram mm-hmm. superstar, so what's what's your it Instagram? Instagram. <laughs> it has to be Instagram, right? Um, it is hafsatahur.coaching, so that's my first name and last name, dot .coaching. Uh, and um, definitely find me there. Send me a DM. Let me know you heard this interview. I'd love to connect. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I uh, yeah, was really excited to connect with you today. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing in the world and with the people you're doing and um, your big end game. I'm excited to see this coaching school emerge and because I think, um, you know, like, like you, I'm sure you, you know, my life has been impacted by coaches over the years. And if I hadn't had access to great coaches, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. And I know that I know it's true. I know others would say that about me. I know others would say that the coaching conversations I facilitated with them have changed their life. Um, and so I think the world needs more great coaches. The world needs more people who are able to facilitate, um, you know, beautiful, deep change conversations. So, uh, yeah, I, I acknowledge your big end game and, uh, yeah, Thank make you it so happen. Much. Thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. I had a great time. Yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. We'll leave it there. Thanks. You've been listening to the insecurity project. The aim of the game is to show up to life unhindered by doubt, fear and insecurity so that you can be at your best where it matters most. Now, if you're ready to begin the work of becoming unhindered in your life, the Unhindered Short Course is an eight-part video series designed to help you do exactly that. And at only $99 for a limited time, it's an offer too good to refuse. For more information, go to theinsecurityproject.com.